Mrs. Wellington give you that message? She's my friend. She told me all about you. Oh, yeah? What did she say? Guess. She said I'm an angel and her heart flies when she's in my arms. Well, it must be easy to float with a head as swelled as yours. Hello, welcome to Prince Track by Track. I'm your host, Darren, and today we're going to be talking about Alexa de Paris uh, from Mountains. Recorded July 1985 at the Washington Avenue Warehouse and released on the 7th of May 1986 as the B-side to Mountains. Uh, on the track, we have Prince, we have Sheila E, and we have Claire Fisher with his many, many people um, doing the various string parts, uh, as he did for, you know, a lot of the stuff on... Um, on Under the Cherry Moon. This was just at the point where Claire Fisher had started working with Prince. You know, the first stuff he actually did with them was for um, The Family. Um, and then, you know, Under the Cherry Moon was the first Prince album that he worked on. The track itself is 3 minutes 20, or the extended version is 4 minutes 54. The extended version itself was actually put on as a B-side for one of the various formats of Let It Go uh, from the album Come. And joining me to talk about it today is... Uh, Victor Azevedo. Hello, Victor. Uh, hey, Darren. I think in terms of like a genre, obviously it's just an instrumental. And because it's used in Under the Cherry Moon, I feel safe in saying that it fits in just as film score. It's a very kind of odd choice for a B-side. Uh, I mean, pretty much every single song that was on the soundtrack uh, for Under the Cherry Moon. And I don't mean I don't mean, you know, Parade. I mean, the actual, you know, soundtrack of the film uh, found themselves being released somehow. Um, Alexa de Paris and um, I'm trying to remember the other song that was a B-side that won the Razzie um, that I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Love or Money. Uh, those were the those were like the two tracks that weren't on the album. Um, they were both issued out as B-sides. There's also uh, Mia Bocca by Jill Jones. That's on the, the soundtrack as well. That was issued obviously as a single by Jill Jones. So every single song that's that's on the the in the actual film. Uh, was either on parade or found its way, you know, to be a B-side. And in the case of Love or Money, won a Razzie for Worst Song, which I discussed at length on that, so I'm not going to get into that again. But really, I mean, come on, Razzies. Uh, try harder. I don't know, it's an interesting use of Claire Fisher because uh, you kind of have this this kind of string accompaniment and over-the-top Prince, you know, he's not playing like piano and bass and various other things. He's just kind of doing a guitar line over the top of this kind of string backing. Uh, and and you do get to hear Sheila E's. I mean, the drums sound quite harsh to me. Um, I don't know your I don't know your feelings on that, but um... I don't know. I re- I kind of love them. Like she isn't like yeah. Like it goes without saying she is an amazing drummer. Like there's no no doubt. But it just I was listening to it like I've been it's on it's been a loop for the last day or two just to remind me of this song. And the drums, <laughs> it's just going nuts with the drums. It's amazing. It's great. It goes with the guitar. I just mean the snare sound is very kind of like prominent. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. To, I mean, it's it's it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like the drums on the rest of of Parade. No. Like the drums on the rest of Parade are a, a little bit more. Um, I don't know how to put it, but like they're they're a little more subtle. Like mm. on this track, they're very like when she there's like a little kind of like snare fill, and yeah. it's like really sharp, mm. and it's kind of against because the, the the strings are kind of very soft. Yeah. And the kind of against that and, you know, the, the kind of this very, um, like, gentle guitar that mm. Prince is playing uh, that has this kind of, like, the, the yeah. kind of line that he's playing is very kind of, um, I don't know, very melodic, yeah. you know, it's... like, it has a very distinct, once you've heard it, you kind of recognise it in the film, mm. uh, that kind of, it's very, it's like, yeah, it's it's like very kind of like uh, very kind of like lilting, yeah. and you know it, it kind of feels very soft. So against this kind of very hard drums, yeah. 
uh, the, the drums always just kind of stood out a little bit to me, you yeah. know, and you've got like kind of, you know, this whole orchestra that's underneath with like the strings. Um, and there's also, you know, some woodwinds and a bit of brass in there as well. So like, you know, there's a, it's, a, it's like a really kind of lush sound underneath. Uh, so I always just felt the contrast of like the drums is, is really odd that like Prince has said to Sheila, oh, go nuts on the drums yeah. <laughs> when everything yeah. else is like really kind of uh, yeah. gentle. And obviously with film score, you, you know, you don't want to really stand out. Yeah. Like you want to be able to, you know, people want to have like a kind of memorable theme. Obviously, mm. you know, um, you know, John Williams and Star Wars and all that mm. kind of stuff is, is kind of what most people would think of when they think of like film score. Mm. Um, but you also want to kind of be able to blend in a little bit. Yeah. And I just think that the drums is, is like the kind of the one part of this that kind of stands out as like yeah. really drawing attention to itself when most kind of film score would would not really do that. Also, it's, it's, it's unusual to have like a drum kit against um, an orchestra like that yeah. really happened. You've already got like timpani and percussion going on. Mm. So it's it's odd that then over the top of that they decided that you know like there's a drum kit almost like Prince and Sheila had yeah. recorded this yeah. and then Prince was like oh I'll put some strings under it yeah. <laughs> rather than using the synths because the other thing is too I don't think the drums like in the actual in the part in the movie I don't think the drums are so prominent so it's mostly that little guitar that little guitar bit and the the orchestral yeah. part behind it is more prominent in the drums itself it's only when you hear it on record that she's almost doing this oh how am I going to describe it almost like animal from the Muppets sort of like wailing with her arms around like this. And of course I'm doing this yeah. at Skype and no one, obviously you can't say this at home, but she's just basically wailing on the guitar, on the drums like animal would in the Muppets. So that's yeah. kind of how it does. But the guitar works really well. Like I want to know, I don't think you mentioned this in the under cherry moon stuff. I heard, I re heard or read that Claire Fisher never met Prince. Is that true or not? Because I've heard, I've read. That. I, do, I don't think I don't think he ever did. I think Prince would send him, um, you know, like uh, I was going to say four track, but it's not four track. Yeah. It's it's proper <laughs> studio tape. He would send him, you know, uh, demos and stuff, and Claire Fisher would stick his strings over the top of those, yeah. and then Claire Fisher would send. I mean, Claire Fisher had his own recording studio, mm. uh, Monterey Sound Studios in Glendale, and that is pretty much where he would work mm. and. He never traveled to, you know, Minneapolis and yeah. Prince, you know, um, at this particular time, he started recording mostly at the Washington Avenue warehouse. You know, he had his home studio that he'd set up as well mm. at uh, Kiowa Trail. And then, you know, obviously he moved into Paisley Park and then yeah. Prince, you know, after kind of 87, he rarely recorded stuff outside of Paisley Park unless he was on tour mm -hmm. or, you know, later. There was a point in his life where he was a resident in California for a couple of years. And so he went back to Sunset Sound there yeah. for a couple of years. But yeah, no, from what I understand, he never he never met Claire Fisher and Claire Fisher never met Prince. They, which is just kind of so strange. The point I was going to make, too, is because it just kind of fits. Like, it's not like they're in the same room that he's trying to work out the orchestral bits. He's just listened to it, like, you know, us listening to it now, and gone, well, I reckon if I do this, 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 this will work. And, it, like, this is proof, and it does, obviously, in the other tracks and on that album, that he just has that... Obviously, Claire Fish has a great ear, but it's just amazing how he just kind of just fits the orchestral parts into these songs without him, yeah. you know, really, like, next to Prince collaborating. It's just via, via tapes, I mean essentially. I would I would say as someone who uh, who studied music who you know has an A level in music and you know I know quite a bit about music theory. So long as you know what chords the other person is going to be playing, 
you can orchestrate stuff without ever having heard oh, okay. it. And you could orchestrate... In fact, it's possible if to to actually write an entire orchestral score uh, never having played a single note of it and just send it off to an orchestra and then put it in front of those musicians and they will just play it. Um, so yeah. it's... I mean, you're right. They do... I mean, Claire Fisher did seem to have a, a really good understanding of what Prince wanted. Uh, and obviously, you know, there were even occasions later on where Prince had Claire Fisher record something, didn't tell him what song it was for, and then he would just sample those strings. Uh, like in the song Push, there's, yeah. like a, there's like a string sample that's played that's just orchestra part that was done by Claire Fisher, but it wasn't ever done for that song. It's just Prince had like a number of chords that had been played by this orchestra, and he knew they'd fit, so he just yeah. put them underneath the song. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, it, it, you know, this is taking nothing away from Claire Fisher, but obviously if you know a little bit about music theory... It is easy to to get an orchestra to to play something and have it fit a song, mm. um, without you know. So long as you know what chords they're playing, so long as you know what key it's in, yeah. you know it's quite an easy thing to do. Mm. Uh, but you're right, Claire Fisher did have you know he had a good ear and he always made stuff that Prince seemed to you know that seemed to really match the mood of the songs. Mm. There's never been any kind of like orchestral stuff that's on a you know a, you know it's done by Claire Fisher that's on a Prince song where I thought oh this doesn't you know this doesn't really fit the mood of the yeah. song. Um, you know, there are even a few times where Claire Fisher did, in, you know, got an orchestra in, recorded an entire thing, sent it off to Prince, and Prince was like, I'm not going to use that. So, <laughs> so, so it, it's obviously down to Prince's judgment of, you know, if the, the, the actual, you know, kind of strings and whatever fit the song. Hmm. Um, and I think that's probably why there's never any songs where, you, where anything that Claire Fisher did ever kind of like stands out as yeah. not being part of, you know, the right mood or, hmm. or whatever for the song. Um, and I think even a few times Prince, you know, re-recorded stuff to fit the strings a lot better as well. So, you know, anything with Claire Fisher, you know, it's always, you know, it's always really kind of well used. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and also that is kind of the backbone of this song, you know, Prince yeah. being able to kind of go off on his guitar and, you know, do whatever he wants, yeah. um, you know, and and Sheila E to be able to go crazy on the drums. That only works if the kind of the bed of, of what the orchestra is doing mm you know, is kind of, is kind of good enough to kind of play off that. Yeah. Um, you know, and like we said, it appears in the film about half an hour in, uh, Prince steals Mary from Tricky as they're, <laughs> they're, at the, they're, they're dancing. Um, and then they have a conversation about how Mary has found out, uh, bearing in mind, we're like a third of the way into the film. So this is kind of the end of the first act really. Uh, Mary has found out that um, that Christopher is a gigolo mm -hmm. uh, from one of her. I think it's it's kind of implied the way that she's talked about, like because they say Mrs. Whatever, yeah. don't they? I can't remember the name of the character, but they talk about this lady, and it sounds like she's an older woman yeah. that you know has obviously been conned out of some money by Christopher Tracy. But at the same time, she has enjoyed the experience, <laughs> so it's not like she's going to try and track him down and get this money or jewels nah. or whatever it is that he's had. Um, you know, as payment in kind for being a gigolo for this mm. this older lady, yeah. um, and you know, there's a little bit of a conversation where you know she says that he's got a big head, and you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, it's like it doesn't in terms of like, and then and then they they kind of you know they decide that they're going to go to like a you know a fancy um, you know um, I, like kind of uh, I'm trying to think of what the right like I, and I was going to say a ball, but I don't yeah. think it is a ball, is it? I think it's where they play um, girls and boys. Yes, yeah. It's just like ball, a yeah. it's just like a fancy gathering, basically. Yeah. Um, and you know, this is where they kind of make plans to do that. And then you know, Tricky comes over, and he, he and Mary decides to go back to dancing with Tricky. <laughs> um, and uh, there's a little exchange where Tricky kind of says to Christopher, "You're blowing it," and it's like, 
I don't think he is. No. I, I, you know, I think they're kind of they're doing okay. But it's weird because it's like a it's a weird little mix of some ballroom style dancing yep. as they kind of like hold each other with their arms pointing out. Yeah. And then Prince insists on kind of doing some little jumps and spins and stuff. Yeah. As they kind of get to the turn on, 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 you know, what would be kind of like a, a classic ballroom dance, and I don't know, it's 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 really kind of weird mix of Prince insisting that he do Prince dances yep. in the middle of this scene. Because the other thing is too, I honestly think that she's leading him in the dancing because it seems like he's got no yeah. control over it when you look at it. And I'm pretty sure because I just saw the video like two seconds before we started, I'm pretty sure she is leading definitely. Prince is just yeah. kind of like, oh well, I'm just gonna let you go and take care. Yeah, control of <laughs> um, so you get you know you get up you get, kind of get a portion of it you only get about you know like two minutes of um you know of alexa de paris uh, you know at that particular time um and then you know uh you know the rest of the film then goes on but um it's interesting you know the, the song itself is is actually named after alexa fiorini um who was a you know a, a dancer at the paris opera ballet um, and she's she's in Under the Cherry Moon, credited as the dancer, um, but she dances during a different sequence, which I think is really weird. It's mm. like you've had this song that you've named after this person who is in your film, yeah. and yet she isn't in. I mean, it just reminds me of that Simpsons episode, um, Sunday Cruddy Sunday, where they get to the end of it and they're like, you know, for an episode at the Super Bowl with Dolly Parton, <laughs> isn't it a little weird that we didn't see any football or hear any singing? And it's like, isn't it weird that in a film where you have a song named after Alexa Fiorino and she's in the film, that she didn't get to dance to the actual song that's named after her? So, I don't know. I find I find it really weird. But she kind of actually, she dances kind of uh, during the opening sequence and she dances a little bit to mm. An Honest Man. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is, uh, uh, you know, found its way on to, um, I think Crystal Ball is when An Honest Man was released. Uh, but yeah, so, you know... Uh, I think it's it's interesting as well because it like the song itself does have a little bit of a kind of like um, a, a kind of I wouldn't say a ballet feel because that doesn't feel that doesn't it doesn't strictly feel correct to say that uh, but the idea that it's it's done for a dance yeah. makes a lot of sense because even though in the film they're dancing in a way that doesn't really fit with the music yeah um, you know I think like the idea of turning this into like you know particularly if you've heard the extended version mm. you know having you know that kind of with a, a, done for a specific person to dance to kind of makes sense yeah um you know in terms like you can, the way that the guitar is played you can imagine choreography yeah. that would fit and that would be like a single person you know possibly with ballet training yeah. dancing along to the song yeah because it kind of builds because it kind of does that classic i don't know i'm i've definitely no expert on music of course or the class. but it does that classical music thing where it sort of has those movements where then it's like it just builds up builds up builds up and then the drums and then stops and then starts that starts that little guitar yeah, again it, and it does the, that yeah. all through the song it would just go through the movements and whatever and some more some some of the instruments are more prominent than others and stuff like that but you've still got that underlining guitar and that little riff that dun, 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 that that is for the whole thing, and that's yeah. like like classic classic music, musical kind of thing, which just always seems to be a thing that happens in classical music. As the B side of Mountains, obviously Mountains, you know, as we just talked about when I spoke about that track, you know, it charted quite well, mm -hmm. uh, got to number twenty three in the Billboard Hot one hundred, hung around for eleven weeks, you know, mm -hmm. it managed to get to number fifteen in the the Hot Black singles. Okay. Um, and on the the hot dance disco club play, I I like how, <laughs> how Billboard hung on to the disco label for like ten years after disco was relevant. 
Um, you know, it, it got to number 11 and, and, you know, over here it didn't do as well. It got to number 45, which, you know, considering we have the top 40, yeah. that's not a very good, you know, and it only hung no. around for about four weeks. Yeah. Um, so, but I find it interesting that, you know, people would have been buying the mountains, you know, like um, 7 inch or 12 inch. Yeah. And this kind of weird little kind of like, you know, rock ballet thing yeah. was the B side. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, which, I... at the time I can imagine people like listening to it and were going, what is this exactly? Like, if you haven't seen the film, it's completely out of context. Um, So I I find it kind of interesting, you know, that, that, like, uh, you could, like, listen to it, particularly as, you know, the fact that Under the Cherry Moon wouldn't be released until July, and the single was released in May. (laughs) So you had two months of listening to this B-side going, what is this meant to be? Yeah. Um, Though I'm sure when people saw the film, they would go, oh, now I recognise, like, that piece of music. So that would be a good thing. But at the same time, it's kind of just puzzling. To, yeah. to take a piece of score and just go, oh, this is this is a B-side. Yeah, cause especially because it's like totally different to any of the other B-sides on that that round of singles. It's totally different. Yeah, That's the thing. Because yeah. the thing is, I've actually got a copy of this 12-inch at home, at my parents' place, actually. So I do remember it, but I do remember not being weirded out by it because I think at that stage I was still doing print stuff, but I was still listening to a lot of guitar and a lot of guitar instrumentalists. So it kind of fitted into my, hey, I like prints. Hey, I like guitar instrumentals. <laughs> Here's, here the two together. That makes sense. But yeah, I would, as I said, it's like, compare this to, say, Love or Money, it's totally different. <laughs> well, it's left yeah. Camille, and there's no lyrics. That's the other thing, too. Like, we haven't talked about lyrics because there's no lyrics, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Prince performed it literally, I was going to say, a couple of times, and that's literally it. He performed it in 1986 at a gig at First Avenue, um, and then it was performed again at the Portland Center for Performing Arts uh arlene schnitzer concert hall in portland oregon uh on the 30th of april 2002 and that was it those were the two performances um you know i can i can imagine obviously without an orchestra traveling around it would be a little bit difficult to kind of perform it Mm -hmm. um you know so obviously you know prince just kind of you know did it as like a you know an instrumental between kind of two other songs um, you know, before, you know, that was it, you know, he performed it twice and, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, and should go without saying no one's ever tried to cover it. No, of course not. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, so I feel like we've said as much as we possibly can about Alexa de Paris. So, uh, let's go to any plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug Victor? Uh, there's actually nothing to plug because I keep thinking all the podcasts I think I like that need to be promoted have been promoted. So maybe there's some new ones. I might talk about something else. So no promotion from me for today. Yeah, uh, Darren, uh, you can find us on Facebook at Prince track by track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you can email us, not sure why you would, at PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being my guest here, Victor. Uh, thanks for having me, Darren. And otherwise, goodbye. You're blowing it. Tricky. Come and dance with me.